You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a special bonus edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. My name is Alex Dreamer. Now, I'm giving you all a bonus episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've been very good listeners. That's right, very good listeners, and very good listeners get rewarded. And also, and this is the prevailing reason, I have a great guest for you all here today. Now, this podcast is not just for discussing those already in sports media and established sports media stars. It's for the up-and-comers. We like to highlight people who are up-and-coming in the biz, and I think that my guest today certainly fits that mold. Jonathan Papelbon uh, joined Twitter in this past April. His Twitter handle is at TheRealJPap58. That, again, is at TheRealJPap58. As I mentioned, he's been on Twitter since April, but it was only this week where he caught a lot of people's attention when he issued a challenge to ESPN. In response to their Derek Jeter hero worship piece, he challenged ESPN to make a documentary series about the real captain who whipped A-Rod's ass. And since then, Papelbon has dispersed wisdom, like how when you're hungover, it's easier to pitch than hit, and all sorts of other good stuff. Uh, He's the host of a couple podcasts, which we talk about. We also talk about his Twitter account, uh, his foray into betting, and some other uh, business endeavors. Papelbon last year worked for Nessun, in a studio role, uh, not with them this year. And after talking with him for about 20 minutes, I'm serious. He would be great at this, whether it's a radio spot, TV spots, what have you. He is an accomplished and decorated ex-player who will say anything and truly says what's on his mind. That is so, so rare. So I think Papelbon uh, would be great at this if he wanted to pursue it more on a full-time basis. So you want to check out his podcasts because, uh, it's not very often that you have a player of his caliber just talking shit like he does. So Jonathan Papelbon, my conversation with him is coming up on the other side. I also sneak in a couple of Devers and Bogarts questions because, you know, I got to. It's topical. It's newsy. It's in my blood. Uh, so, we'll do, so you'll hear that in a moment. It's the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. And here's Pap. All right, and back on the show, mentioned earlier, we have Jonathan Papelbon on the horn here. And uh, Papi looking tan and relaxed, as I said earlier. I mean, really, really looking looking sharp. (laughs) Hey, man, look, you know, I'm living the dream here in Mississippi. I'm either in my garden or out in the pool with my kids every day. And uh, just just living it up, man, living that retired life up. Lucky you, lucky you. I want to talk about your podcast better than Vegas, but first I got to talk about this tweet that you sent out uh, last night. All-star games are usually low scoring because when you're hungover, it's easier to pitch than to hit. Would you be talking from experience by any chance or? Oh, hundred percent. That's, <laughs> that's all I talk on is experience. You know, I don't pull shit out of my ass, you know, for no reason. No. Uh, yeah. Why easier? Well, you know, it's a whole lot easier to pitch hungover than it is to hit hungover. Um, And, you know, I was watching the game last night, and correct me if I'm wrong, I may be wrong, but I think one of the microphones got one of the guys at first base asking him how many outs there were or something like that, and he was like, hell, I don't even know. I'm drunk right now. (laughs) 
Why is it easier to pitch though if you're hungover than, than to hit? Because it's less reaction time or well, here's the here's the easiest explanation I can give you. As a pitcher, all you're doing is just simply trying to throw a baseball. Yes. Well, as a hitter, you're having to track the baseball yeah. and put a good swing on it. So you're having to do a little bit more. And, uh, you know, as we well know, tracking anything hungover, uh, especially at what those guys were throwing 100 miles an hour, that's that's a real bitch when you're hungover, man. I was going to say, how do, you, how do you track like 95 miles an hour, you know, in the dirt, like a splitter like that? Like, how do you how do you do that? That's it's pretty hard, I bet. So. Yeah, that's my point is you don't. You and do. uh, that's why I said to take the under last night and um, – you know, I, I love to bet, man. I, I'm a, I'm a gambler. I, I'm an action junkie, and um, you know, I was kind of I do this um, podcast. It's called Blackjack and Pap, and so we and we do the Better Than Vegas one too. And uh, man, we just we go through baseball and we pick games. And now I go on there with a lot of analytical people, yeah. and you know, I don't bet that way. I don't. My, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, I'm not into the analytics like they are today. I simply bet on experience and uh, what I know in the game and how travel works and how travel affects you when you're going from West Coast to East Coast. And, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily do all of the analytics. I, I bet a good pitcher gets a shitty ball club, you know. I mean, if Nasty Nestor Cortez is going against the, the Cubs shitty team, I'm going to take Cortez all day. I don't care where they put the guys, what shifts they do, or any of that. So um, I give my points in, in that perspective uh, for for all my gamblers out there, and uh, I let all the stat rack gurus do, do their thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, so how effective has that been? Because as you know, baseball has become just so analytical. You say you go more after your experience. What's your track record been this year? Well, I just started doing it. Um, I'm winning more games than I'm losing, uh, which, hell, I, we're making money. So um, I think I've only done uh, two segments of uh, bets. I broke even on half of them, so I lost juice, and then I won the All-Star game under last night. So I'm up a little bit. But the more I do it, the more I feel like I'm going to be uh, putting out some five-star winners. Love that. When you watch the game now, do you feel – What's your opinion on all the shifts and just all the numbers and analytics that factor in? I think it's gotten even much crazier than even since when you retired just a few years ago. Yeah, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. I know that that first started coming up and all the analytics when I was towards the end of my career yeah. in Boston. And uh, I and they used to shift and all that. And I used to tell Tito, I said, look, Tito, I don't give a shit what shift you put on. As long as I got – if I got a guy on first base and I have a chance for a double play, you better have somebody that, – that double play better be, in a, be able to be turned whatever shift you put on. Right. Right? Um, and other than that, uh, you know, I wanted him to put Alex Cora in at shortstop for uh, defense instead of Julio Lugo who made countless, yeah. countless of errors. So that, that's kind of how I roll. <laughs> and uh so you talk about the two podcasts you have uh what you, you love betting you said but what made you say not only do i want to publicize my bets but i want to start a podcast too where i can talk shit and hang out as well yeah well you know uh blackjack came to me man and uh hit me up and i like his style 
And um, so he felt like, uh, you know, that I've re retired for a few years. He knew that I was an action junkie. In fact, when I was playing uh, on the plane, I had a little thing called Cinco Ocho Casino, yes. which, uh, you know, we, we, we brought out the uh, poker table in the back of the plane when we would charter our flights. And, uh, you know, I was kind of in charge of the casino uh when I was in my playing days and that's kind of how it went when I went to Philadelphia you know I had to get guys like Jimmy Rollins and Cole Hamels and you know all those guys you know I had to show them how we did it with the Sox and, and create a true casino so I think every team should have a casino you know um and you know now I'm just taking that into my retired career and uh still doing the same thing but from podcasts like Blackjack and Pap or podcast with you or Twitter or whatever it may be. So I'm just having fun with it, man. You never cr hesitate, though, to criticize players, even guys you may have played with. Uh, that's not the case with everybody. So why, why are you comfortable doing that? I, look, man, I, I'm comfortable with whatever. I'm not going to say it if I'm not comfortable with right. it. Um, and for me, uh, I've just always been that way. Um, you know, I call a spade for a spade. Um, and you know, for me, that's just, that's just how I am, man. I'm not, um, I'm not in it to, um, you know, make anybody happy. I, I'm just telling you what I think I'm giving you my bets and I'm, I, and on current events, I'm, I'm telling you my point of view and whether you like it or not, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, but you know, Rob will tell you that Rob used to interview me and, um, you know, he he used to be like, man, you know what? You're the only one that keeps it real. I was like, Rob, I'm always going to keep it real. You know, that's just how I am. And um, you know, some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. And the ones that don't, the hell with them. The ones that do, let's have some fun with it. Right, press download to the ones that do, right? Download. Exactly. Man. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. And it's rare, though, right? Because you don't only have, you know, people reaching out to you, but you have social media and everyone's so – obsessed and everyone's heads are always in their phones i mean it's rare to find somebody really anywhere who keeps it real never mind some of the platform that you have so it's well you awesome. know I, I talked about this earlier man there's either people that are and, and i guarantee you rob can attest to this there's either people that are going to sugarcoat everything and say the right thing and always you know when they are in front of a camera make sure that they say the right thing and i even said you know that's the way jeter was you know um and, and Veritech, he necessarily he wasn't like that. He was he was more like me. He'd tell you exactly what needed to be said, and he would tell us players in the clubhouse exactly what needed to be said. And there was a lot of times where a 23, 24 year old cocky Papelbon would challenge Veritech, and he'd whoop my ass too. So you know, um, that's just the way it is, brother. Have you heard back from ESPN about your docu series idea? No, you know, I haven't, but, you know, the more I think about this, I, I might even, me and Blackjack, we're, we might even executive produce the show ourselves. So uh, if ESPN doesn't do it, we can get it done. You can make it like an audio series. Those are very popular, you know, like those, see, those yeah. podcasts, yeah. the idea. Um, did you catch the first episode of the Jeter uh, documentary? I did not. I did not. Um I figured that, you know, I'm going to let all the episodes go and let them play out and um, watch the one. I mean, there's seven damn episodes of it. You can't, yeah. I mean, you can't watch them all. So uh, once somebody on Twitter tells me or to, to go watch a certain episode or 
you know, somebody on Twitter, you know, hits me back. Oh, I need to watch this. I might go watch it. Seven hours is a lot of time to spend on any any person. Yeah, I don't have the time for it, brother. It's you're busy. Yeah, you're busy out by the pool. I mean, you know, it's yeah. Uh, I'm busy out by the pool, hanging with the kids. Also, I started a new company with my brother and another guy. We do mobile blood work. Uh, really? Yeah, it's called Diago. It's like the Uber of blood work. You okay. go to the office and you got to get blood work done. Our phlebotomists come to you. It's it's uh, it's pretty much capitalizing on lazy America, just like Uber, Instacart, and Grubhub and everything else, just to, on the medical side of things. But uh, yeah, we took over Florida in about a year. We'll be up in Boston soon, so y'all see me up there with the company. Blood work on demand, and and you can t- yeah. and, and then how do you test the blood after that? Do you take it to a lab? You- all of our phlebotomists go to LabCorp requests and they get diagnosis and it goes through our app and all that. And okay. you know, I'm, not, I'm not on that side. I don't know insurance, Medicare A and B and all that bullshit. Look, I shake hands and kiss babies and, and get the deals done. You know what I mean? I can tell you, though, that I hate Quest Diagnostics with a passion. Nothing is worse than sitting, waiting for your taken Awful. Right. So nobody wants to go from one doctor's office to another and sit in front of another line. So, uh... You know, that's what we're doing nowadays. And I, you know, hell, I thought I might be in coaching or some shit like that. But uh, no, man, that's what I'm doing now. I love a story that you told, I think, in another interview you did about Yankee fans and how you'd go to Yankee Stadium and you thought it'd be all these rich multimillionaires, but it was people who were just throwing batteries at you. Uh, like, what's. Yeah, you know, um, that's the way old Yankee Stadium was. Right. Yeah. New Yankee Stadium is. Obviously, a bunch of, you know, white collar, you know, corporations that have the boxes and all that. But old Yankee Stadium, man. And I honestly did. I did think that when I first walked into old Yankee Stadium, I was like, man, it's a bunch of be, you know, a bunch of rich people in New York that, you know, don't know baseball. But, man, was I wrong. And, um, man, the bleacher creatures in old Yankee Stadium, you know. I feel like I have a love-hate relationship with them, which, you know, was fine. I was good with. Um, but, man, they used to give me hell. But, shit, I would give them hell right back. So, you know, I think they liked it. I liked it. You know, I love going into a bullpen. There was nothing worse than going into a bullpen at, 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 like, the Rays Stadium where you're indoors and nobody's there. And, you know, I always use hecklers as, like, more motivation to go out there and whoop ass. So, um Almost needed them, you know? Yeah. But not again, not everyone's like that, though. I'm sure you played with guys in the bullpen who would prefer it to be, you know, empty. Yeah, there was plenty of guys that would go hide and, and go underneath. And, um, you know, hell, I'd be throwing gum at them sometimes or messing with it. it for me, it kept the, it kept the games go, going. It, it didn't make them seem as long and shit like that, you know? I'm curious, though, you know, as a player, like, obviously Yankee games are different for Red Sox fans because we're from here. We grew up with it, but you didn't. Many players didn't. So, like, when you come to the Red Sox, how do you – is it immediate where you're like, Yankee games are different? Does it develop over time? Because – No, as just- soon as I got up and I experienced my first Red Sox-Yankee game, I knew it was different. I knew it was – these are the guys we want to beat. And these are the guys that we want to kick their ass and win the pennant against every year. There was no – it was almost unspoken. You felt it in the clubhouse. You felt it every time we went into a series against them. And as a player, you just took to that, or I just took to that. And I knew that um, 
you know, every time I faced the Yankees that I had to be on my A game because that was our rival and that is what was going to make me stand out and it was going to help me propel my career. And, you know, I don't know my stats against the Yankees all the time, but I know I did not fail against them many times at all. Um, so I made sure of that, yeah. So you have uh, you have the podcast, you have the Twitter account as well. Do you want to? I know you were up with Nesson too recently. Uh, do you want to do more media opportunities? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it more now that I, I've retired. Um, you know, the podcast with Blackjack and Pap. You know, we just started. I mean, I just started all this. You know, I didn't. I didn't really didn't know much about it when I played. And now uh, some guys have got me kind of into it now. Um, yeah, did a little nesting last year throughout the first pitch and stuff like that. Blew my elbow out actually doing it. What? Yeah, I took too many shots of Jaeger before. Didn't even warm up. So not easier to pitch when you're drunk then in that case? Uh, no, I think when you're retired and you drink and you try to go out there and throw 100 miles an hour. Hey, I hit 91. Okay. That's so good, you know. But, um, yeah, I did a little bit of stuff with Nesson last year, which was fun. Um, Which, you know, by the way, TC and Rice, I got Twitter now, so none of you fools are safe. No. (laughs) No one's safe. You're you're in everyone's replies, too. You're not just tweeting out. You're a reply guy. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Better Than Vegas, Blackjack and Pap. Uh, We can find you on Twitter as well. Uh, at the real JPAP58. I do have to ask, though, before you go, if you were a betting man, and you are a betting man, uh, Devers, Bogarts, would you bet that they uh, stay with the Red Sox? Listen, um, here's my take on it, right? If the Red Sox want to create something for a long-term ability to compete year in and year out, they will keep both of them. But I think the problem with the Red Sox office in many front offices is they think they can outsmart the system. And we can go find somebody else that can replace them. But here's what you don't know, man. You can't replace clubhouse guys, and you can't replace the guys that bring it every day and make sure that the rest of the guys bring it every day. And in my opinion, Bogart's endeavors, those are the two guys in that clubhouse that do that. Yeah, um, it, it, it'd be like saying us not having uh, a Veritek and a Pedroia to say, hey, look, guys, I'm going to go out there and bring it every day. And if you don't, I'm going to I'm going to be sitting in that locker room asking you why you did it as soon as the game's over. Right. And um, if you don't have those guys, you will not you won't succeed, period. And so the Red Sox are smart. They'll keep them. I am going to say that they are going to do everything they can to keep them. But it might be up to them whether or not they want to stay. Uh, but I do think the Red Sox will do what it takes to keep it. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, right? And you live this too. You know, homegrown player, come up through the system. You win in Boston. You know what it's like to play and thrive in Boston. But you had to get your big payday elsewhere that happens with a lot of guys across baseball. Look, look, no question about it. I'll never hate on a guy for going and getting his payday. I mean, that's why you play this game is to set your family up and your kids up for the rest of their lives. No problem with that. Um, but for me, it, I I wanted to stay in Boston. Yeah. Trust me, I wanted to stay in Boston as much as I can I could, but we had a little instance with beer and chicken. Yep. 
We had a little instance with Terry Francona, them not being able to get him re-signed, and Theo Epstein. Well, with all that being said, there was really no possibility of me really staying for the next crew that came through, which I think was like Bobby Valentine and his whole crew, which I, so I, don't, think, I don't think me and Bobby would have got along very well anyway. So um, I went to the first bidder, and that's how it went for me. And, you know, you can't blame the guys for that. No, you missed the clown crew. And did you know at one point during the season where you were like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to leave at the end of this? Like, no. Like, no. Okay. I did not know. Okay, here, I'm going to let you in a little something here, right? So we end up losing. Don't make the playoffs. Right. The beer and chicken shit came out, which uh, I'm going to post on Twitter a little something here with beer and shit. Stay tuned. to know the real story, so please. Like, yeah, it'll be good. Um, and so Theo actually met me in the clubhouse, um, I think shortly afterwards, and said, hey, Pat, look, if I was staying, I would do everything I, I could to keep you here. I, want, I would love for you to stay here, but I'm not sure. Wink, wink. I'm not so sure if I'm going to be staying, nor will Tito be staying, and I think the whole system is going to get gutted. So I respect the shit out of Theo for telling me that, you know, because then it gave me the opportunity to say, okay, now I can go see what's going to happen elsewhere with my career. And so, um, and that doesn't always happen. Trust me. So um, I'm grateful for that for sure. But um, yeah, that's how it went down, man. And how can the people find your two podcasts? Uh, You can go on Apple or any way you get your podcast, Blackjack and Pat. And then we have the YouTube series, uh, Better Than Vegas, and my Twitter, at the real TheRealJPout58, which, uh, stay tuned, I got a cool video coming out with me, uh, my son, it involves a little beer and chicken, so I'm going to tease you with that. <laughs> Pop, great to have you, thanks, man. All right, Alex, be good, brother.